Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky and I am super excited for this episode. I am joined by authors, besties, Krista Sandor. Welcome to the podcast, Krista. Hello. And she brought along her very good friend, Essie Rose. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited you guys are here and brought your chaos with you. Like, we've only been on the meeting for like two minutes and I've laughed more than I have in like a week. Well, like there's always going to be technical difficulties with me and Sarah's always going to have to explain like, Look at the button. Touch the button at the bottom. Like she and she'll just talk. touch me for every conversation I have with my mom about technology. So it's fine. <laughs> okay, I have to say I so I have an older mother also. My mother is in her 70s and I love her. I love my mother. But the way the woman holds her phone or holds a TV remote makes me question how much I can love her anymore. Hold on, how describe it cuz now I have to So she puts so say you have your phone and she cups it in her hand and she uses her other finger to point. She holds oh. a TV remote the same way. She cannot one hand a TV remote. It is hold and point. Oh, that, okay. That's interesting. She's also one of those that has speakerphone and then holds the phone up to her mouth. To be fair, my husband, Krista, experiences this on the regular. If he's on the phone, he will talk at 10 octaves higher, decibels higher than you need to be. Um, I don't know why. I'm like, they can hear you. You don't have to speak up. That's all right. He just wants, he just needs to be heard. That's good with that. It's fine. It's not weird at all. Um, So uh, romance term of the week. This is our new segment where each week we take a romance, romance book term that someone in our community has asked about and we define it for you. And this week's term was brought to us by podcast listener Merit. She wanted to understand exactly what angst means in romance. Because a lot of times we throw this word around, but has anybody ever actually defined it? And I did, just for you all. Um, so the word angst in romance means that The romance is going to be heavy in emotion. The reader will experience heartbreak, anger, and sadness along with the characters. There will be feelings of pushing and pulling, creating tension within the storyline. The angst can be from the couple not being able to find middle ground and breaking up, or the angst can also be brought on by emotional trauma or environmental factors. Mm -hmm. And there are eight different kinds of angst in romance. So there is emotional conflict, external conflict, miscommunication or misunderstanding. Um, Unrequited love can create angst. Uh, Let's see here. Number five. five. Uh, Insecurity and self-doubt. Longing and separation, either physical or emotional separation between the romantic leads. Okay. Uh, Past regrets. And internal struggles. That's eight. That's the eight types of angst in romance. I think I'm having seven of them right now. Like just right now. So why aren't you writing these on a whiteboard? Krista should have written on her whiteboard. Right. Um, There is an article on buzzingaboutromance.com that is all about what is angst and the different kinds of angst. And we give book recs along with defining each kind of angst. Well, we tried to do... um, 
we tried to define at at some authors gathering. It was like rom-com authors got together. It was a romance author gathering. There were rom-com authors together. And we had a really hard time defining what exactly is a rom-com. I remember us having this discussion. Do you remember like, like how heavy, how light? One of those like, you know it when you see it. I, <laughs> well, but also what elements are needed within that? Because I think that, you know, romantic suspense is easy to define, right? It needs some kind of mystery suspense. Right, right, right. I think right, it's right. easy to define darker romance. It's going to have darker, heavier themes that are outside societal norms. Yeah. But I think there's like this blurry line between contemporary romance yes. and pure rom-com because you can have funny moments in contemporary romance. Yeah. So I'll tell you when I know I'm writing a rom-com, especially it's so much harder. Like for some reason, I just want to like decimate characters and make their backstories just like, I, I want them to have all the heartbreak, but I'm like, ah, but it's a, it's a rom-com. So when I go, so I have MS and I get infusions every 28 days. So when I am at the infusion center with the nurses, I'm always like, I need like ways to kill people that aren't like really upsetting. And so they'll like, you know, you know, like, um, like a quick stroke or or a strange heart condition you didn't know you have like nothing terrible but you're dead like i think that like being hit by lightning on the golf course would be okay what yes toaster fell into the bathtub yeah the question is why are you killing so many people off in rom-coms well because i i i always like my heroines to come in with sort of this hole and and all i i like to make them orphany I, I like to Why does, there's a term of Disneying your parents. Yeah. In rom com. Mariah Inkeman talks about it all the time. She Disney's all of her heroines. Yeah. I bambi the shit out of all these yeah. poor girls. Nobody has parents. No. No. I was reading an article today about the use of of orphan and foster kids in just literature period, like across oh, the board. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of it, isn't there? A lot. And it's yeah. weird to come across a romance where there's like healthy family on both sides. That's so true. Well, you know what's so hard is especially like if you want to if you want to like embrace that whole found family thing, you kind of have to get rid of everybody else. So in order for this to have good happy feelings, I need all you other people to die. <laughs> I was, I was just on an airplane, kind of piecing out like, okay, ah, oh, I need to kill off parents again because she needs to be raised by the grandparents, and then I have to have them be dead. I'm not like, this is it's so more, it's very morbid. It's maybe the, but maybe the parents joined the circus or are tr musicians with rock bands and could not care for her. They're still alive, just their careers were more mobile, you know. Could I mean that maybe yeah. they're grifters. I just shot myself in the foot because my current series, I have a book coming out on Thursday and it's fairy tale retellings. Yeah. Oh. No, the background has to be. It's the Disney thing. It has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I do it too. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't you think it's kind of powerful that in writing you get to kill people off though? Like, you get to nice. dead people. I kind of like that. I like putting we have this discussion, Krista, about who, how we name our people who are either villains or we've killed off. How yeah, do you name? Terrible. How do you name them? Are they we, people that have wronged you? Oh yeah, we go deep. I yeah. love that. I have a list of bullies from grade school. If you ever need some names, you just send them my. Yeah, no, it's like I. I always say like it. It turns out to be a really good thing that I dated every jerk in Denver before I met my husband because <laughs> I got names. I um, got also. If you ever need weird, creepy boyfriends, I I had some winners that I dated. Currently, I've been with Mike for 25 years, but some of them left scars that were from. Right? Yeah. No, we, uh, yeah, we dig deep and we don't forget. <laughs> we're an addictive group, aren't I love it. I love That's it. That's a small fun part of writing, right? Like you, you can, you can kill off that person who did you wrong 27 years ago. It's cathartic. It really is. It really kind of, and it's really not that person. It's just sort of like how they made you feel. And you can also honor people. Like I've named people after family, friends, people important in my life, you know. A hundred percent. I do that more actually. I'm nicer than I am awful. See, no, this is probably I, no, why I can't re write the books, too, because I would be awful. Like, all them bitches and all those, like, stupid, quirky shit that dudes did on dates. Like, there was one guy dated, and we played cards one night, and honestly, I ended up breaking up with him because of how he played cards. Like, how someone plays a game, a board game especially, tells you a ton about them. Now, I say this... Years later, he, as an adult, I can look at it and think he probably was on the spectrum a little bit, probably on the spectrum a little bit, but he was fucking weird. I mean, wow. and like, like, I don't know, guys, it was weird. And I haven't let it what, go. And then that was like 1997. So <laughs> I am on my first date with my husband because um, I did not want the date tent. So we were set up on a blind date by friends. And then we went to dinner and then he's like, do you want to come back to my place and play Scrabble? Is <laughs> that said, code? I, I, no, no. I, he's an, he's a good, kind, wonderful man. Um, and so we did play uh, Scrabble, but he was so sweet and I won and I thought he, I thought he let me win. He's like, oh no, I was really tough. <laughs> All I'm hearing is that when I come visit eventually, I'm bringing Scrabble. You should, I know, well, now it means something totally different. I was going to say, they probably right. play Scrabble after the boys Scrabble. go to bed. Air quote. Show me your tiles. <laughs> Naked Scrabble at the Sandor house. Watch out. I know, if the tiles be a, what do tiles do? Shake? I don't know. <laughs> the tiles move. Velvet bag. If the tiles are shaking, don't but come and knock. He had like he did not have just like that the board that lays out. He had the plastic board that rotated on like the lazy Susan type thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Player. Yeah, it was. I was highly impressed with his Scrabble board. 
still feel like we're talking in code. I know, right? It feels like it was. It feels wrong. It you feels know, we're traveling to your next novel. I'm going to have some serious questions for you. Same. Same. One, one of these. One of these. I feel like we're going to need some more um, Scrabble, like, innuendos in the... Scrabble can be sexy. I think sexy Scrabble should be... <laughs> so I married I married a nerd, and now all I can think of is, can you make Pokemon sexy? Like, I, mean, I don't think so. Exactly. Video games are not really sexy either. But, like, couldn't you Have find... You video games because my husband's playing something with some sort of viking and that character on that screen is like projected of what you'd want a viking romance person oh is like. that the oh. um the viking that's the like venhala uh oh shoot i can't think of the name of the series I of those know. games what did you say something horizon or something like that I oh i don't know we've been playing some other weird game around here my boy child's a gamer um Boulder's Gate is what my people are playing. Okay. It's very weird. I don't know. I don't know. There were sorcerers and Oh, I love that kind of stuff, but I'm really I... bad at 3D games, so um my family gave up on me being able to play them. I can't. They make sometimes like I can't watch them play cuz I get dizzy. I get like motion a... sickness. First yeah, person like... games, like shooters and stuff is they're running and it... Yeah. I want to vomit. I can't play them. We Sometimes, the, my, you guys have the goggle. The I, I forget the name of it. Oh, the Virtual VR, reality, VR goggles. Yeah, yeah. Now that makes you motion sick, or you just run into furniture like I do. Oh, I always hurt myself. They put they put a game on where it was like you have to. There's stuff coming at you, and you have to move from side to side. And I'll like jump into a, a bookshelf. <laughs> We need to funnel this. I'm just envisioning more rom-com moments. This is a good conversation for coming up with ideas. Yeah, I know. I, I was going to say, look at us helping you plot out all these books. So that's the first question for you guys, because I want our listeners. Now, Krista's been on the podcast before, but Sarah, you are new to the podcast. Virgin. All the Virgin. <laughs> Although we did review one oh, of your you. co-author books um, on the podcast. Um <laughs> Your small town firefighter that you wrote oh, with yes, Sierra. Yes. Oh, um, we we did review one of those. I'll link it in our on the shelf show notes. But Sarah, what kind of writer are you? Are you a plotter, a pantser? I'm re a recovering pantser. A recovering pantser. I'm more. I've been really good the past two years about plotting. Um, okay. I've gotten to the point where I plot each chapter out. Um, She's good. But yeah. I used to just fly by the seat of my pants 100% through the whole book. So do your books play out like a movie in your brain? Or is it one idea that sparks and you go with it? Or do your characters talk to you? How do like the ideas come to you? All of my books start with, I just have an idea for a scene. And that usually is the first scene. And then it, it yeah, as I'm writing them, it's just like watching a movie in my brain. Okay. What about you, Miss Krista Sandor? Are you a plotter or a pantser? I, what is it when you're kind of both, but like a little psychotic? A planster? A, a Krista Sandor? <laughs> I, I know where I want to start. And then I have to figure out what, like, what is the gift that he needs to give her? Like, what is the gift that only the hero can give 
the heroine. And once I think with your concept, but once you get to your plot, you are like, yeah, sticky notes all over your home. Yeah. But things can change fast. Like, especially if I, if like, I decide there should be a better ending, or if I decide something like this, it's gotten worse. Like, I think I used to be better. And now I now, but you want to know something now I feel comfortable enough to say, I know where I'm starting. I know the holes in these characters' hearts. I know where they need to get to. Let's just start. Otherwise, it's like, um, what is that? Like procrastination where you just get stuck. I can't think of the word. But it's like, if I don't just start, I could keep thinking. Like, I have so many boards going. I'm starting a new book tomorrow. The second in a small town series. And I have so many notes. Expect a call tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she'll get a call tomorrow. I'll yeah. be crying, or I'll be saying that it's this never gonna work. I think can top the Oscar escape for me though, because it's so like married into my daytime world that I was like, and this and that, and I was sending her notes and articles. Oh yeah, because there's a whole lobster. Sarah knows a lot about lobsters and the law. And things do of that you nature. get the random like rambling text messages from Krista? Because I do, which yeah. I adore. I think are hilarious, and I listen to like the voice mem- memos that'll come my way. And um, there was one day I was listening to one, and my girl child was like, "Who who is that?" I'm like, "It's Krista," and she's like, "Okay, okay." And she walked away. She's like, and then I was like, "What is your problem?" She's like, "My ADHD can't handle that." I'm like, "Got it." Got it, friend. I'm our kids, we've talked to each other for so long, and our kids know, you know, my kids know her, her kids yeah. know her, that we'll just go on, like, you know, FaceTime or whatever, and we're just interacting with the whole family. Like, the whole fa- everyone knows each other. Yeah. No, and it started, so so this is only because I stalked Sarah. Um, I found Sarah, like, five years ago on Twitter, and... I'm like, we should be friends. That, right? We should 100%. be friends. But this then we cool. came up with the whole thing because I think you said one day, you're like, it's like we're author wives. We're twifes because we're, we're on Twitter. But then it had a real meaning, remember? We didn't know. So we call, so for like a year, we lovingly called each other twife. Like, I think we've sent each other like gifts with twife written. I have on. a mug that says, I love my twife. Dre, my son was using it all summer. We didn't know we we thought it was a cute word that we came up with we did not then we looked um, at what's urban that urban dictionary urban, urban dictionary, dictionary told that. us mm-hmm. it meant something to, but then it kind of was <laughs> so what does it mean t-w-a-t wife oh oh and i don't like that i'll be honest with you i don't like that word very much i don't like that word and i don't like the c word but um see the c know. word doesn't bother me but mostly because my husband's family is from Australia. Oh, okay. and they often yeah. say it. So it, in a course of, com- if I can understand half of what they say with their accent, that's one of the words yeah. I can understand. Yeah. Um. So it, it doesn't bother me, but the word that does bother me is smut. I hate oh. the word smut because I think your stories that you write, because you both write open door romances with mm-hmm. spicy and sexy scenes in them. And what you write is more than those scenes. 
Yeah. You know, if you I want just had this whole conversation, Becky, this last weekend, yeah. <laughs> entertainingly, I spent the weekend with six gay men in yeah. a beach house. Um, but they're old friends of mine. We were How can yeah, I go on that out. date? I, I walked away from that experience being like, I understand reverse harem. I understand the job. <laughs> the whole weekend, these guys were like, let me get that for you. Let me open that jar. Let me make you the dinner. And I was like, this is great. Um, but we were talking about my books and one of them said smut and it rubbed me the wrong way too. And I said, listen, I include, like, what's the difference between your best friend and your boyfriend? Like, what's that difference? And they're like, well, the, the romantic element, obviously. And I'm like, does that not include physical? And they're like, yes. And I, so I said, to me, when you take the, the physical element completely out, you can still have a romance, it's fine. But to me that those moments in the story are just part of that relationship. So you're just exploring the full elements of the relationship if you include yeah. it. No, a hundred percent. There's nothing, that, there's no sex scene. And that's what I really just hate, I get all all sorts of creepy people will send things, but there's no scene that's not there for a purpose. Right. Like there, there just isn't. And like, I, in every scene that is sex or building up to it or kissing or whatever, there's always internal stuff going on. Right. And it's that connection. It's that connect. Right. I, I mean, it's just, that's another way they're connecting or I mean in the beginning if it's like enemies to lovers maybe they hate each other but that's it's building up that that tension and it's moving the story where it needs to go for those characters I know I I don't like I I don't you know hate the word smut like smut it but smut to me is penthouse forum that is smut because that is just sex it is just about sex it's not about relationship and hope and building up community and if you look at romance we need an hea or an hfn it has to have that or it's not romance and you can create physical connection without sex but it cements and continues to kind of um can't think of the word because you know I host a show for talking. It just cements in confirms that connection is more than just the physical level. Um, And so the word smut in reference to romance books, I think it create it devalues what you're writing because you're writing more than just sex. Well, and it's okay for things to feel nice for a woman. I think we still live in this world where for some reason, that's like taboo or something right. for a woman to to feel pleasure in her body. Our bodies were made to do this. I don't know why we still want to make women feel bad about that. Um, I, think it's great. I feel like from the 90s till now, we should have come so much further than we have. You mean that we've gone backwards 25,000 <laughs> steps? Yes. Yeah, that too. Uh, but I mean, a woman be being hard. in charge of her. Like yeah. Krista, I know we've talked about it, but like mm-hmm. just the the whole image of the romance community in general. And I feel like the media only picks up on the bad stuff. Um, you and know, really bad it's really interesting because part of the reason I started the podcast was I wanted to talk about these books. 
I have been reading romance since 1990. I started with the bodice rippers. I love romance and I love talking about romance. The problem was is I did get sucked into the mom book clubs and they're all like, oh yeah, we read romance. And then they don't. They yeah. want you to read like a compilation of essays or some fucking self-help bullshit. No, I want to read romance. Like if I'm going to have time, I want to read romance. So I started the podcast because I wanted to talk about these books. And it's so interesting to me because so many people that have come into our community will say, I don't have anyone in my real life to talk about romance with. But it's a billion dollar industry. People oh, yeah. are reading it. But why can't we talk about it? Why can't you wear a t-shirt that says, I'm a proud romance reader. I read romance. Yeah. I don't know. And readers worldwide have read more than one romance. So right. the odds are good. Someone's read a romance. Yeah. Even at my job or people like I've had, you know, law as people in a book club and they're all like, we're reading a memoir. But then I turn around and I'm, you know, people with multiple degrees and they're like reading my books and like, oh yeah, I love romance. And I'm like, but I bet you wouldn't talk about it. And they don't. So they're like closet readers. And then they know I write. So they'll come and because I'm like a safe zone to talk to. Right. So you can openly just say you like romance. It's not. I know. And I don't think like using a word like smut is going to help bring people out of the closet as far as reading romance. It's a weird term. It's one of those terms I feel like either people just embrace it and they're like, yeah, and they use it in that way that like throwing it back on people. Right. Or they're just like, don't use the term. It's not, you know, yeah. a good connotation. It's not my favorite. <laughs> But I mean, every every romance I have ever read or written empowers a woman. A what like she might not start out empowered, but her journey brings her there. Like that, I mean, even if it's her sexuality, it's figuring out who she is, who she's supposed to be in this world, as the two characters do that. I just I I anyone that I hear like kind of like making fun of it or probably hasn't read it. I mean, that's, you, you know, and I don't know yeah. what to do for those people. Besides, okay, yeah. I look, so my husband, like back in the day, loved Clive Klessler books. I don't know if you've ever read them, but they're like action adventure oh. books. So I read a couple of them because he was reading them and there it's like the James Bond. There's a woman in the story. There's a love interest. It's a subplot going on. And I'm like, your book has romance. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, romantic yeah. elements are in, that's what makes good stories. Think about like, even in movies, if we right. think of like the Marvel movies that are this big, huge billion dollar industry, comic books genre is billions of dollars. Star Wars, Harry Potter. Oh. Romantic elements are some of the foundations of those stories would you have iron man iron man without pepper Potts? like no. you need her there you know bruce wayne needs whatever you know woman is in his foresight at that time it's just yeah. not romance because it doesn't end in an hea right right but those elements are what so I read this book and her name is, I always talk about her, Theodora Taylor wrote this amazing book and, and she call, it's, talks about universal fantasies and she calls it butter, which I love because I love butter. But it's those buttery scenes that like make your heart flutter. I mean, you just, there's a reason. It's funny, like I'll be watching 
I mean, just anything. And my husband can look at my face and know, like, if I'm like, you know, like you just, you feel it. You, you feel that butter. You feel, you feel like the, the, you know, the popular guy liking the nerd. You feel like two people, what did I just watch to on the plane? Two people sitting next to each other on a plane. And there's just like this instant connection and this kind of bubbly, fizzy, what could this be feeling? Like that's the butter. It's not, you know, it's, that's what people want. They want to feel like they're that person right there experiencing those feelings of just, I don't know, the connection, the desire that could this be something? I mean, there's just, that's what I love insta love. I really do. I love when two people like meet each other. They think they know everything that's supposed to happen in their life. They think they figured it out. And this one person just rocks their ass like off its access, right? And they they have to figure out- did you watch Love at First Sight yet? That, that was it. That was it. I smiled through that whole thing. My husband was just like, I was like, oh, you know, just like little, little like romance drooling. They're, they're cute little like round 20 something faces. And I'm just like, oh. loved it. I love instant connection. It's funny though. Like I will read an instant connection romance. Give it to me. I love a one night stand. My hardest trope to love is friends to lovers that is where I struggle the most particularly if in their brain is the constant conversation of it'll ruin our friendship or you know I read a book was not one of your guys so don't worry it was a friends (laughs) to lovers the word but appeared 632 times in the book and I was like 68 percent in And he was still, or she was still, oh, I can't, but, or I'm attracted to her, but, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to show you some, but, because this is obnoxious. (laughs) Um, So that's my struggle. It is hard because then I I bet you that author was trying to keep the angst going, right? Of course. The unrequited love, the tension, and it was just annoying. Yeah. And surprise pregnancy. I, I don't do well surprise pregnancy trope books. Yeah. Like when they don't tell the guy that they've had a baby or. Either way, just or pregnancy throughout the book. It's just a hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, pregnancy is absolutely one of those that is like it or hate it. I don't think there's a lot of middle ground for it. I also yeah. think that that comes into personal journeys with pregnancy. Yeah. Um. I like them. I don't even mind accidental pregnancy, but I think part of that is my generation. Cause I know that a lot of people are like, well, there's condoms, just get condoms or there's plan B. As a kid of the nineties, there weren't just easy access condoms all over the place. Like no. you had to make the effort. I remember being in college and you had to catch the right nurse at student health to get free uh, condoms or you <laughs> of them really I, I went to a state school maybe it was because I went to a state school I don't know but like the Planned Parenthood was enough blocks off campus that it was a destination to go wow. there and get them um but then I got kicked out of my dorm and I lived with nine guys so it was you know it's fine it's no white moment for you let me tell you though those are so hard so 
own the eights, maybe baby is like a pregnancy to birth and managing that woman's pregnancy, like knowing what I will never ever do it. I bet you, I still have the thing. Like I have, I had all these, like, uh, you know, how many weeks she'd be here and this and that. So I had a book, uh, the sound of home. Um, there's a pregnancy kind of issue in that at the very end. And, um, I initially the book, I've changed the book. This is an old book. It's like over five years old, but she had an ultrasound and I, I, did not make it an internal ultrasound. I just said an ultrasound. Blah, 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 blah. I I got Sarah knows. I got oh my god a letter from a reader. It would love this book until that, and it was wrong. And there's no way you could detect this and this and this at this. I mean, like I knew that as a woman who's had I had to have an internal ultrasound. I think every week starting at my 13th or 14th week of pregnancy with my last born, I named that wand that I had to see. So, but I just, I didn't put it in a book. I didn't really, anyways, I get this email about how it's wrong. So I'm like, I'm going to figure out a way. So I, I rewrote it, but I don't want to say like tastefully, but just so she, she was getting an internal ultrasound because the lady was right. She was right. It, she was right. So anyways, when I wrote Own the Eights, Maybe Baby, which I was just. Did you sign up for the pregnant? I know some authors sign up for like the pregnancy week apps to keep yes. track of things. I, yes. I Yeah. Like I was growing a baby or something. Oh, believe me. I was so, I mean, honest to God. So like, I know one author and she is in a committed relationship with a partner, but they do not plan to have children. Yeah. She had the free formula and diapers show up on her doorstep from signing up and she was dying. She's like, am, what the fuck? Know everything. <laughs> yeah, sick. no, it's like to really, so that, so from then on, I just make sure anything like that is, oh no, I did something like that. Okay. I've, I've had a couple of pregnancies. I'm lying to you, okay. but I've hated, I've hated every minute of it. Because no, I loved the writing part. I've hated the managing part. Sure. Like that is, you know. Well, and it's funny the things that I will pick up on as a reader, and I do tend to read a little bit more critically just because of the day job and stuff like that. But like I read a book that took place in the northern part of Michigan um, on one of the Great Lakes. And the author referred to the town as, oh, and Sarah, you'll love this because you were a Great Lakes kid. She referred to the town on Lake Huron as coastal town of Michigan, a coastal town. Sarah, do we call towns that are by the lake coastal? We're not coastal. We're not coastal. I'm coastal now. Right. Right. Like I could not get past it. I think I made, she made like three or four references in the first two or three chapters of this coastal Michigan town and smelling the coastal air, which I've been to Lake Huron. It's been a minute. And I've recently been to Lake Erie. The coastal Lake air is not beautiful. No, It smells like dead fish. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a pleasant smell. Mm -mm. So she talked about like her hero like breathed in the coastal airs of Michigan. And I'm like, first of all, they're not fucking coastal. And secondly, it smells like dead fish. Nobody's breathing that in. 
why I will only write about places I've been. Yeah. I ended up DNFing because I could not let that go. But then recently I read a book and the author ended up having to change a couple of chapters because she had a dog pregnancy in it. And her readers, her arc readers came at her and said, these statements that you make about a dog giving birth or dog being pregnant and breeds and stuff like that was inaccurate. And you just, you need to fix it. So she fixed it, but I didn't catch those because I don't Mm. pay attention tension to the dog pregnancy <laughs> i wouldn't know i would i i would, I would not know so but people who know know like right? you know like people who know know and no I, mean, I do people write about places i've been or lived and they get they're not from there and you can tell immediately they're not from there i'm like no yeah. one calls it coastal in fucking michigan no one when tommy boy had an airport in Cuyahoga falls ohio and that is not a thing just so everyone knows yeah, I forgot oh, about that. This day. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Well, I also go ahead, Krista. No, I was just trying to think if I've ever, um, written about any place that I've never been. I kind of like the idea of a fictional town, though, because you can, you get a little bit more. Sure. Leeway. But mm-hmm. if you use like a landmark, yes. so that's right. part of what we're going to talk about if we get there is small town <laughs> romances. And one of the things that I think with small towns that it, so I live in a small town in Northwest Ohio, which means to get to any like larger amenities, such as an international airport, it's a 90 minute drive. Um, you know, the closest target is 45 minutes away. Now we do have some, you know, nationwide chains, but they've only been in our town since the nineties. Like we have yeah. regional grocery stores like Meyer or, um, uh, what's the other one? Kroger, Kroger. Cause yeah. apparently not everyone has Kroger. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, so like writing small towns is fine, but you'll get some people like I read a small town where is it really a small town if it's only 20 minutes into downtown Philly? So here's the thing about mid, mid, the mid-Atlantic when I moved here, because I was the same thing like you growing up. Like I was 45 minutes from Cleveland. It was, you know, and it took probably like 50, 55 minutes back then to get there. Um, but here, like a really small town, like small, small town is probably like 10 minutes from me. It's less than 30 minutes to BWI airport to that very small town or a number of very small towns. So they're more. Every so I time. guess it depends on where you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think well, like for like you, more. Krista, in the Rockies, even yeah. though you're not going like mileage a long distance, you actually kind of are because of the length of time it takes to get there. There's no real straight shots. No. And this new one that I'm writing, um, my son and I went down. It's in like the sort of the Crested Butte, Salida, Colorado area. And let me tell you, like, we were terrified. We had to go through something called Monarch Pass to get there. It like, it's like drop off. And I've lived in Colorado for a long time and I've driven on icy road. I mean, my son, Nate, I mean, he was just like, mom, I can see way far down. Like, stop, don't stop. I mean, just, you know, Um, so I, but when it comes to like Colorado, you can be cut off just because of like 
the land, right? Yeah. Or access to, um, yeah. So I do think that it's like, so when you're writing small town, it is location based, right? Because, you know, Brooklyn can feel like its own little small town. The village in New York City can feel like its own little small town, but it's not. Well, so like, is it? Because now I'm now I'm kind of thinking. So like, what defines small town? Well, here's the thing. What if you have like a city, but they're in like a little neighborhood of it? Because you can like really like you can be in a big city where I am in Denver, but you can be in like the Berkeley neighborhood and go to like all the cute little quirky shops and like, would that be that? I guess that's not small town. But what would you call that? Like, but how would you trope that for a romance book? Because right, if you think, right. Because if you, think, I mean, it's a city, but it's it's small, it's neighborhood city. I don't know. Is that a thing? Holy shit! Then I screwed up. My first Langley Park is a little neighborhood near Kansas City, and I always say it's small town, but I'm I'm lying. But I think about like Cleveland. So I think about like the city of Cleveland and all of yeah. the little burbs and communities they're very distinct communities you have little italy you have um covington which is like where the hippies (laughs) and all the crunchy granola people (laughs) like that was the first time i went into a neighborhood and they had like a co-op grocery store like you have to work there you have to come and volunteer to shop there and i'm like there was a whole little store on their main street dedicated to stuff for your cat and cat themed things sarah sarah i'm like are you there sarah's booking her flight she's got i bet you she's holding her phone in her other what i'm doing this weekend (laughs) um and stop at tommy's for a milkshake that's the best (laughs) i'm a swenson's girl when it comes to milkshakes personally okay that's kind of a hard one because if someone's world is this little microcosm in a city, yeah. it definitely has a small town feel to it. So that's a question. Not. What do you consider? How do you consider a small town romance to be a small town romance, especially when you guys are writing it? Like, what kinds yeah. of things do you think about? Do you think about location? Is it population size? Is it so access? All the small towns I write are centered around sort of what I knew as small towns growing up in the, I guess, what has now become the burbs in between Akron and Cleveland, Ohio. And, and she'll also send the small towns. Where did you go where you were sending me pictures? It was so freaking cute, that little bookstore. Do you remember? Was it Maryland? Were you in? It was in where you live or close to where? Or at home in Ohio. Uh, no, it was Ohio. You were in Ohio. So the bookstore, um, there's a little bookstore in Hudson, Ohio. Oh, yeah. That was- I, I grew up going there. And um, some of the small town in my Perfectly Imperfect Love series is sort of based on that little small town. Uh, so I was there and I, you know, I was taking pictures from my books there because there's a gizzy. You, vi- you were vibing hardcore. I love what I spent my childhood going there. So it just makes my heart happy when I go back and that same bookstore is still there. And I've taken my kids to that bookstore and, uh-huh. you know, like I have still like books in their room from my childhood that have a little stamp from the bookstore in the front. But like that, like, what if that was in a little neighborhood outside of in Baltimore or something? It might, I don't know. You, now my brain is not where I live now is a cluster of well it's a 
not really a town, it's a homeowners association, but it's a cluster of 11 or 13 villages. Yeah. Like a village center, but I mean. But is that, that's not, is that a small town? We could debate this hardcore. No, you have, we have, and we have on episodes, like we did a whole episode about like small town superlatives. And then we did, you know, top 10 small towns of romance. And I think that, I do think that your perception of small town is very much based on like maybe where you live or how you grew up. Or right. even maybe like where you went to college, like one of the girls that helps with that does parts of the podcast, Rachel, she went to school at Ohio State. So she lived in downtown Columbus, like that's big city Columbus. And when she comes back to Finley, where we live, she's like, it's Finley's a small town, except I don't consider Finley small town anymore because I can go to the grocery store and not run into anyone I know. I can move, you know, there, I can move around town and go to dinner and I'm not going to know the servers and the servers aren't going to know me versus if I go, my husband grew up in headlands, uh, Ohio up north of oh, Menor. Yeah. And if we still lived there, you could go over to Grand River to the little um to the little restaurant that's there and likely the server knew his grandmother or you go to the IGA and the butcher knows exactly what grandma would have ordered, you know. But it yeah. seems like so my mom grew up in southeastern Iowa and she grew up in a very small, it was a little coal mining town. I think in its heyday, it had 500 people there. And there's probably 50 people there when I was little and vi- visit my grandparents. But the nearest like town with like an actual, like anything grocery store, anything you go to that wasn't a cluster of homes and a decrepit building that was once a bank or a school, um, only had like a thousand people. I think they reached like 1600 people when I was in my teens and they were, they had enough people to get a McDonald's, which was like this huge deal. But even there, like, you would know most of the people. And my grandmother wrote a column for the local newspaper and she'd write about us and put pictures, which I don't know if people do that nowadays, but everyone would know us. And as a little girl, people would be like, oh, Sarah, and they'd know things about me. And it would just be like stranger danger moments of like, who are you? Why do you know me? Right. But we didn't know everyone. Like even like, you know, a little over a thousand people, like she didn't know everyone everywhere we went. So I don't know, like, how small of a town like when I write them there's a lot of people who know people because you go to the ice cream shop all the time or you go to that thrift store all the time or but I don't know if it has to be small enough that you would know everybody all the time so this is what my husband says my husband says whenever we watch anything on like if we're watching a movie and it's supposed to be in a small town it's a small town until it's like the the county fair and then there then there's like (laughs) Fucking everyone at this fair, like that, like it's a ta- it's like a deserted town until it's like Founders Day, and then it's like you know balloons and kids. And- I do think there has, to, in order to be small town, it has to have some kind of kitsch, a yeah. festival, a theme oh, of the oh, yeah. small town, or yeah. um, you know, like an annual staple that's going to happen. I am a sucker for that shit. Jubilees, um, nights under the stars, like donkey races, donkey races. No, the Pathboro racing—that's a thing in a small town. 
in Leadville, Colorado. It is also in a book. Um, I, this, cause I am like, like living small town, Colorado. And it's just packed full of, you know, like little town founded, had sort of this history that like seeps into it. And the same family that founded it still is active. That Like that whole, like that roots thing that, I mean, I think people are always sort of looking for that that connection like we're so like kind of disconnected we but move don't you think Kristen we talk about our town so like I remember when you did Langley Park and you literally have maps like here's the maps and here's where the houses like it's like the town is a character in the book to me that's small town I that's exact oh I, so we yeah. talk about that a little bit too so small town where it's a setting versus small town where it's a character yes. I tend to like the small town romances that it's a character. I want the small town to have personality. And maybe it's the people that live in it that create the personality. But like, if there's like a town chicken that runs through the town, I'm in that. Or the library has a cat that when the library is closed, it then goes next door and hangs out at the grocer or at the wine shop or whatever. Like, I want those cute little things. Yeah, like the small egg. town. Well, yeah. my favorite, I don't like favorite, but it's my favorite. The My last two series were in a town I created that's modeled after some towns here in Maryland. And one of the, the uh, characters' family owns a farm and the horse always ends up eating all the flowers in the flower window boxes on Main Street. But she has a story about a horse. Remember your friend with the horse and that put its head up, came to school? Yes. Okay. Is it because I grew of up that? In a small town and my friend's horse was at stables around the corner from our school. And we were in the back of the science room, which was the only room, by the way, that were the windows open. And we were just sitting there hanging out. And all of a sudden I feel breathing on my neck and I'm like, that's weird. And I turned and there's just a horse head next to me because her horse had gotten out, figured out where she was and just came to the classroom and was like, Hey, and she was like, Oh my God, my horse. So she jumped out of the window oh. onto the horse and rode it across the grounds of the school back to the stables that's the best part she jumped out a window and rode a i mean horse girls are their own special breed yep indeed um, hey, i love small town like I, this is i know this is audio but can you see this i'm i'm having postcards really i've like been seeing all your stuff this new series has it's a family who it was founded because a paper maker um, came to this place and he was, so the, the story behind it is there was, he was the second son in London of a paper maker and he knew the business was going to go to his older brother. So he set off to America to become a paper maker here. Um, and he wanted to do a bachelor for life wanted to just have his own thing because he'd always been the second son nothing was ever going to go to him so he gets to this place and of course there's a girl and he sees her and they fall in love but they can't get married the girl's father is not for that she's 20 suitors have come he's like nope nope you gotta prove to me that you know you're the one so he makes this paper i don't know if you know anything about paper making but it's this really neat process where you're like mixing like natural fibers and to make a pulp with water and he makes this paper with the water from the creek and he writes a letter 
to the father of this bra of this woman and gives it to her. And everyone's like, no, they take bets. No, he's going to say no, this is bullshit. He's gonna, he says, yes. So from there, there's something in the water. There's something with this paper. There's something magical that brings love. And then these, you know, they fall in love and they start this town together and then it just grows and grows and grows. So anyway, that's, that's what I love about small towns. And so now I'm like, now I have like paper company notebooks and I, I love this. And honestly, I'm like over here going, yeah, Krista, you know what my address is. Feel free to send me all the starry cards. Well, cause you were the one, can we say that you're the yeah. one who helped me flush this out? Flesh, flush it. We didn't flush, flush. anything. Flushed. There we, was some flushing. We could have flushed. Um, we could have. But yeah, but, but these are all your ideas. Like I was just a sounding board. That's I mean, that is the that is the best part of when I get to work in this industry is helping just being, you know, someone for you to bounce ideas off of and then say, hey, but did you think about this? I love that because like here we've talked about how many different ideas with small towns now and yeah. they're all like, you know, percolating in your brain and you're like, OK, I can see me using this and oh, right. That's a great idea. Why don't I use this? And I love that. I think, and like defining something like small town, are we ever going to have a cross genre consensus of what makes small town romance? I don't know. No, we're not. We're never going to have it. But I think that's great because we can keep thinking and creating and yeah. doing and having different ideas. And yeah. again, location makes a difference because small town in the, on the Eastern seaboard is very different yeah. And I think yeah. until you get to like Virginia, <laughs> then it becomes more like the Midwest where it's longer spaces between the towns. Well, They're you, not all like. I mean, I, I was just in the UK, a UK small town. So different than here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. So. I think you just have to do it right. Like, I think you just have to honor the location, right? Like. I think if you honor your location, even if it's fictional, then you're going to be okay. So what's the best part of creating your small towns? Like when, Sarah, so when you go in and are like, okay, this is going to be a small town, what is your favorite part to create within the small town? The side characters, the, the people who live in the small town. Yeah. But I'll have ones that, and I'll just take a liking to certain ones and they'll show up in other ones over and over because I just like this character so much. I don't know if they need their own story, but I just want the like funniness, yeah. you know, the humor they bring to the story. I want it to keep continuing because I love them. Uh, what about you, Krista? What's the best part creating when you do your small towns? I think it's just I, like well, what was Sarah was saying, like just drawing it and then making it and then figuring out like, how is this going to be a community? Like, what are people going to kind of coalesce around? And it it just sort of, you you sort of find your theme there. And this- like a quirky extended family. Like, I feel like your stories have those quirky characters too, because of the locale. I always, well, I'm in Colorado. And so we have a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff that's- You're weird. like, I have a lot of inspiration to draw from. Have, there's a lot of quirky lot. in Colorado. Yeah, and there's just a lot. We're open to a lot here. <laughs> a lot of things are legal here. They're just, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I do love that, that you do that, Krista, that 
that is something that I think is one of those, the use of marijuana and um, THC, you know, it still has a little bit of a taboo feeling, but there are many, many places where it is legal now. And I love that you use that in your books and that you put it in there and are normalizing it. I do love that. Yeah. Well, and they're fun character. I mean, it's, you know, kind of. I will say my favorite part of small town is when there's a gossip train of little old ladies or old men, especially if the old men get into the gossip. I love that every time. I love old ladies that sort of like, you know, they, they kind of like are rubbing their hands because they know like a match needs to be made or they, yes. you know, I, I do. I love old people. I love, I love, love them. Like I, grandma. Two of my best friends are an 85 year old couple. Yeah. That live Sarah, next door. Well, 80, 83 and 85. I just had drinks with them. The night. They always invite me in and I spend like five hours drinking with them. And the marathon of stories from, from them are just the best inspiration for my older characters I could ever get. I love that. I love that. Um, my mother can put away a bottle of wine, so do not ever let her challenge you to a drink off. Like, ever. No, um, I, think, I think there's just something, and I, I was thinking about this today, that I really love, is I feel like a lot of times it just doesn't seem like anyone's looking out for anybody and I love in books where like the character looks back and somebody was looking out for them right like or or hoping for them or watching them or just you know wanting a good outcome for them I just I I love that that feeling of community I think that's part of small town you're not right you you were never alone you know you might have felt alone you were never alone I don't know I and I think small town has inherently a built-in found family feel. Yeah. So even mm-hmm. if you're writing a family series in a small town, there's still those found family elements. Because like Sarah said, there's community. No, my small town, my series uh, starts around a family who are quirky in and of themselves. But then they just adopt in all these other members of the community that they live in. Yeah. Which I just want to be part of the more family really is why I wrote them. Right. I know. Right. I know. It's, it's sort of like, I don't know. It's just that house that everybody wants to go to or, oh, you're new here. Well, honey, come have, you know, we're Thanksgiving. We'll come join us. You know, like what we would have wanted. Yeah. (laughs) No, I agree. You know? Yeah. Um, No. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Good. No, I was just going to say just that feeling of like, you found where you belong, right? Like, who doesn't right. want that? And then you have great sex. Who doesn't want that? I mean, those are all the things we all want. And pie. I don't know what it is about small town and baked goods, but if there's a baked good in a small town, I am a thousand percent reading that book multiple times because I okay. love a good baked good. My book that comes out on Thursday is a Beauty and the Beast retelling, but she lives above a bakery. Okay. What is the title of that? The Billionaire and the Librarian. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. okay. So I love food. Like, I'm just eating my way through. Look at these little marmalades. Marmalade. Uh, I love love the company. Look, they're very small. Yes. So the I have company I'm, has a really cool history. You should look it up. Well, I, do, I do. Right. And that company actually does an advent calendar of their. <gasps> I told you. I bought it. I bought it. You did. 
I the jam advent calendar. Yeah. So yeah. there's a girl on TikTok that gets it every year and she makes a thumbprint cookie. Like she makes the base and then each day, whatever jam comes, she makes a thumbprint cookie out of it. So she oh. has the dough. So like, you know, six thumbprint cookies from the jam. And I was like, can I just come and eat jam and thumbprint cookies? Because I love a good shortbread. Give me a butter cookie and I'm in really oh any God. cookie. That's so That's crazy. I just bought the, the advent calendar with the bon, bon maman. Is that how we say it? Bon Maman? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. No, I love food. I love how food makes you feel in books. I love how heroes like, like they're all like for like being fit or whatever. Like my body is a temple until she makes a pie. And then he just like, can't stop Stop. himself. I love that shit. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the warm, fuzzy I am. We did a whole episode of books that with food references, so foodie romances. And oh, I was in it with the yes, food truck with yes. the grilled cheese food. Do you want to know the weight I gained writing a grilled cheese food truck book? Sister, I was a cheese she whore. While she was writing that. I love that. I love it. Or like, well, and I think your margarita scene in Nanny and the is that nanny in the hothead when yeah she's, where like... she's the mermaid she's dressed as a mermaid she's had all these that's a real place i actually had you they only are supposed to give you a certain amount and my friend and i went there oh my god anyway yeah yeah we found out our local mexican restaurant DoorDash's margaritas you get one margarita for every entree you buy and it comes in a 32 ounce deli container you know like the takeout soup container and so i have four people in my family and we order four entrees so we get four 32 ounce margaritas it's a good night now that TikTok sound is going through my head thank you you're welcome oh my gosh that's that's awesome. Yeah, I know. Food, small towns. That That's like the diner. My husband. He used to make me the most amazing margaritas. He still does. Oh. It's all over if he makes margaritas. It's I'm done. Um, I am very lucky Mike Burrier makes all the drinks I ask. Like we have drunk book club and he will make all the drinks I ask. And I he's such oh. a good sport. I love it. You got a good one. I love a good cocktail. Um Okay, so if a reader is new to you, so if they've never read your books before, um, where would you suggest that they start, Sarah? Oh, Chronicles of a Hot Mess. Chronicles of a Hot Mess. Mm-hmm. Is that a first in series or is it a standalone? It's a standalone. Um, I ended up loving the character so much, I did a spinoff series from it. Okay. Uh, which then I love some other characters and then I did another spinoff series. <laughs> So it. there's nine books all together in that world, but that one's a standalone. Okay. That's a great place to start. Krista, what about you? If a reader hasn't read your books, where would you suggest they start? I usually say Manfast. Manfast? Bergen Brothers. You're in Denver. Um, that's pretty much where I write, but it's kind of a good entrance. And then these books, then I wrote a lot of nanny um, love match books and these characters cross over in them. So I just, and man, I, Manfast is a quick read. 
it's not super long. Um, and I just think that's, all, I don't know. That's usually where I tell people to start. Okay. I think it's a good place. I don't know. Or, or maybe. No, I mean, I cool. love the nanny and the nerd. And I think that I really think most of your books you can pick up wherever. Yeah. Nanny and the nerd is my very best seller ever. It, you know, is the book that changed everything for me, which I, I mean, I love, I love that. My husband always went, asked me if I should go back to just writing nanny books and maybe, I don't know. No, no, no. We're not going backwards. We, right. There are new ideas yeah. and new things. Just because one thing is selling does not mean you should write over and over again. Right. Well, right. and I, we're, we're, we're locked in to the small town. <laughs> that's right. You know, and that's something that we talk about a lot. Because one of the trends that we're seeing with authors right now, there are some authors that are trying really hard to write to trends. Like they see this trope selling so well, so let's write this kind of book. And I will tell you, I, in my opinion, this is my opinion as a reader and someone that's been in the industry for a while, I don't think it's sustainable. And as a reader, we can tell that that was not the book of your heart. Mm, yeah. Also, I think it's hard if you're trying to write, unless you can write incredibly fast and get it edited very fast. You're almost behind the, you know, the trend by the time you get something out. Yeah. 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 Well, and lots of authors are balancing not just a writing career, but a day job and also a family life or partners or social expectations. Health and conditions. Health There's conditions. A There's a lot. So we just, I always will tell an author because I'll have an author message me like, do you think I should write a book like this? This is really trendy right now. And I'll be like, is that the book your heart is telling you to write? Is that the voices in your head? Or is that the story you're seeing? No, but it's selling. No, then, then no, that is not the book I think you should write. I want you to write the book of your heart. Yeah. Well, that's what remember. Cause I came to you and I was like, I can't write anything. I'm just going to write a Christmas story. And then that's where we came up with this whole yeah world sometimes you just need to talk it out i mean it really does there there's something really to be said for talking it out with you i mean it really thank you th so thank you um i know we're like what kind of cards are there <laughs> business cards birthday cards. cards birthday cards uh, baseball cards <laughs> but you know what you can do as an author is you can like I mean, here's the thing. It can be small town, but it can be an athlete who comes home, right? Like you can bring in those tropes, right? Absolutely. You know, it can be small town, but it can be a little bit kinky, right? Like you can. There can be an right? underground sex club in a small town. Why not? Why not? I mean, um, who said no? I didn't say no. Um, I did think of a paper. You could have like a fortune cookie printer writer that's paper oh, that's a cute one too i know i have so so far it's business card birthday card baseball card christmas card and i'm not 100 sure it's going to be a library card but first the first four books are already a thousand percent there should be a library card i think there should be a like, library card. sarah's saying but, you know her next book is the billionaire and the librarian and i'm over here going i love a I so here's my issue. Love okay. a librarian. I love I love a librarian too. But like, am I? Is somebody gonna yell at me because library cards are on your 
phone now? They don't have to be on your phone, right? No. Like our library still gives out physical oh, cards. Right. Okay. card. It's on my keychain. Ours okay. got rid of the keychains and now we just have like business card or you know, credit card size. Yeah. It's not yeah. on your phone. No, it's okay, yeah. The fifth book is gonna be the library card boyfriend. I mean, <laughs> Also, a hot male librarian or a nerdy, like, cinnamon roll hero that's a librarian. Why can't we? Why do always the librarians have to be the ladies? Sometimes it can be the dude. Yeah. Oh, no. I love I love all the things that can be found in books. And, I mean, I you know what I love about, and this is so off topic, I love when you check a book out from the library and somebody has, like, written either, like, a note or a thought or underlined something. Like that whole connection to another person who read this book. I, I love it. That's my favorite it. part of when I inherit books from family members. And I go through and see their notes of what they thought in a book. That's so awesome. I, Anyways, I know. So small. I mean, and that's the fun thing about small towns too is, is you can kind of take these little. Sure parts of them and and like just dive in i don't know um who doesn't love the library right mm -hmm. everybody loves the library okay so we are moving on to our next segment which is our book of the week imagine that that awkward intro had an echo because that's what i would like but my <laughs> it guy says no so instead i use awkward intros um so it's book of the week time. So for Krista and Sarah, um, your book of the week can be a book you recently read, or it can be one of your own that is coming out soon, whatever you want to talk about. Um, so Sarah, for you, what's your book of the week? Oh, it's a coin toss because I just finished a book, but I'm in the midst of everything for my book that's coming out Thursday. So I'm going to go with my book. Okay. I will promote The Billionaire and the Librarian. Um which I just reread it. Sometimes it's funny when you reread your stuff and you're like, oh, it's not bad. It's pretty good. It's good. It's a good book. <laughs> I do that. Um, yes, the whole premise is a librarian in a very small town and her library is having some financial issues and she wants to get a grant, but she needs to, she needs to have a match for her grant. And she finds out about a billionaire living in kind of a recluse lifestyle on the edge of town who has a a collection of first edition books and she was like I could use that as a match and she's a friend who works there but she doesn't want to bother him she has parents who have money she doesn't want to bother them she's like I'm just going to go out there and get these books and she shows up because he won't respond to her emails and then there may be a storm and she gets stuck out there mm, forced Ooh, proximity I weather I like I that love it. is there only I one bed it. no there's it's a mansion it's a very large house Okay, but only one room could have had just one bed. Well, are you banging every room? I mean, there's I mean, that. Oh, there's you that. There's shenanigans that happen over the course of several days because the storm turns out to be kind of bad. I do like shenanigans. I love shenanigans. I'm a fan of the shenanigans. Krista, what's your book of the week? I'm gonna I'm gonna be awful too and be like Sarah and and shamelessly promote my Starry Card Creek bachelors and the new the starry card creek colorado series it's coming in october the business card boyfriend where a woman who is just about down on every luck you can imagine 
um, opens a letter, finds she has inherited a cabin, but the cabin might not be up to snuff. So there is a business card in there for handyman and that card changes her life. So, perfect. and it's, it's that whole small town. I just, there's always magic in small towns, right? There's always just something magical that can happen there for the right people. So anyway, okay. That's us shamelessly promoting our book. I am all for it. Um, so my book of the week is Manscaped by Vanessa Vale. It is also a small town romance. Although she is got herself in a thing here where she keeps needing man titles. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because I, as a girl who's written Man Fast, Man Feast, and Man Find, she got good though. Hers are great. She did. And Manscaped is an ex's dad. Uh, age gap, curvy heroine that's a librarian, some sex, lots of sexcapades. It's funny. There's a little, um, well, this was the dog with the pregnancy issue. So um, a bull mastiff and a Pomeranian make puppies. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And she, the opening scene is the hero. He owns a landscape company, a little bit of a lumberjack. He gets a message on his business phone that says, um, he is responsible for getting this person pregnant and that he needs to step up. Well, he's already a single dad. His child is like a grown man now. He finds out the woman is at the vet's office. He runs to the vet's office and is like, I do not, barges into her vet appointment. I do not know you. I've never had sex with you. I didn't get you pregnant. Well, she's talking about the dog and she left the message for his son. It's so funny. So funny. Oh, so absolutely so worth a read. Um, okay. So if you are not a part of our Buzzing About Romance Discord, you should absolutely do that. We have lots of group reads and fun events. We have a fun event coming up in October um, called Books, Brews, and Booze. And lots of authors are going to be stopping in and talking about their books and hosting some giveaways. And then for Patreon, swag packs will go out October the 10th. And um, these go out to Fancy Drinks, Cold Brew, and Queen Bee Tears. And we still have lots of fun buzzing about romance exclusive stickers, mood reading cards, and other fun things. These are mailed monthly on the 10th of the month. And we do ship these internationally. Um, this perk, if you, this perk kicks in on the 10th of the month. So if you join on the 30th of the month, you will get the next month's um, perk. So there isn't any wait for that. And because our amazing Patreons, we are able to bring you three episodes a week. And we are still working on our goal of 75 members so we can plan our first ever book retreat. Um, all members of Patreon exclusive get exclusive episodes and perks like Buzzing Book Club. And then our October book club pick is Rough by Vanessa Vale and Renee Rose. And you can find details about that on our website. Krista and Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and just chatting books with me and small town shenanigans. Thank you so me. much. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. 
If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 